Hey, next week is uh, Boy Scout Sunday in the United States, and churches that charter uh, Cub Scout troops, uh, Cub Scout packs, uh, Weeblos, or Boy Scout troops, uh, sometimes you'll see those children in worship services in uniform. And so far, I was talking to Dan this morning. I was out uh, the week before uh, m- moving uh, some stuff for my mom, but um, I don't think we've been contacted. But yet, I want to tell you, uh, I am indebted to Boy Scouts, and it, most especially uh, Mount Moriah Lutheran Church in Anna, Illinois, that uh, hosted my Troop 44. I think they still do. Uh, and though I was the Baptist kid from two blocks over, I felt like that Lutheran church was my church because we dominated it when we were in there on Monday nights. I mean, we had all their fellowship hall, we had Sunday school classrooms, and they supported us with, in so many ways, not just only hosting us. And of course, on those annual events, we would go and somebody would present the colors, we'd stand in uniform. Uh, that's where all of our court of honors were. But they also hosted us with... Uh, you know, not only a facility, but they gave us money. So I, I remember when we got new tents, that the church actually bought the tents for the scout troop. And sometimes it was camp equipment or other things like that. So they were very supportive of us in those years. And I want you to know, I was a scout. Well, I was a Cub Scout. I was a Weeblow. Some of you say, who cares? Well, let me tell you some more about that because I want you to build into this service. I'm trying to open the iPad to work there. Um, so much so that I went to Boy Scout camp five years in a row. I'm talking age 11, age 12, 13, 14, 15. At age 15, I think I had to go twice for two weeks because they were prepping, prepping us for the National Jamboree. I went to the National Jamboree in Pennsylvania, uh, Mount something State Park in uh, Pennsylvania, and spent a week out there. Those of you who are really old, like me, Danny Thomas came by helicopter and landed and spoke to that national jamboree. Some of you young people, ask your parents who Danny Thomas was. Um, And then the following year, we went to Cimarron, New Mexico, and we hiked for about 10 days in, uh, at Philmont, which is a gigantic scout camp in New Mexico. And uh, I I still am indebted once again to those scoutmasters who took their summer vacation and spent all those days with a bunch of kids, a bunch of young men, by that age, you know, just about troublemaking years, if you know what I'm talking about. But we did a lot of camping. We camped all summer long. We camped in the fall. We camped, camped in the winter. Uh, you would put a uh, little bowl of water outside the tent at night, and if it froze, you got a polar bear patch. And let me tell you, I got several of those. So I just want you to know today, I hate camping. I will never camp again. <laughs> in fact, Brent and I, you know, the old joke is that Camping for us is a black and white TV. Camping for us at the hotel, camping for us is uh, less than a king-size bed at the hotel. I mean, we, neither one of us are much into camping. How about you? Anybody in here that is anti-camper? Raise your hand. Anti-camper. Anti-camper. You don't want to get on the ground. You don't want to pitch a tent. You don't want to cook your meals over the fire. You don't want to deal with the bugs. You don't want to deal with the temperature. You want power. You don't want to have to deal with a lantern. You don't want to have to carry all that stuff in, carry all that stuff out. You don't want to use outdoor toilets or make your own. Well, hold that thought. Wait just a moment. Those of you, put your hands back up. All right, I see some of you. Now, 
if you got to go camping with your favorite movie star, that man or woman that you thought, keep your hands up if, if, if you still don't want to camp, you got to go camping with that favorite movie star of yours. Okay, your favorite historical figure. I mean, like, uh, Lou had his up. I was going to say Curtis LeMay, you know, Mr. Sack. Go camping with him. All right, I'm going to get you one more. This one will get all of you to start crying. How about that loved one that you would long to have a day with? Nope. <laughs> this sermon may not be for you because uh, we're going camping today. All right? And I think it's important that those of you who are or who have spent some time in Yankee land, as I just did, I want you to know I was loading a looting. I was looting a moving. I was loading a moving truck uh, last week, and it was uh, nine degrees in my my hometown. And I I thought to myself, no wonder my mother has moved to Texas. So, and we came here. It's a little bit cold. But those of you who are accustomed to waking up in the morning and the windshield being iced over, or snowed over. And if you're a young person, uh, or when you're a young driver, even when you're a <clears throat> perhaps just a dangerous driver, you might break out that credit card from your wallet or your purse, and you just scrape a little circle, a little peephole on the windshield, maybe a little peephole on the back, and maybe one on the passenger window, one on that side, and you take off, praying that the heater and the defroster will, will reveal all the things that you can't see soon enough, and you're looking through that little windshield peephole. Well, many times I think we look at Scripture through that peephole, and just as dangerous as it is to drive with a peephole in the windshield, it's dangerous to just see peephole parts of the Scripture. Last week, we read, excuse me, two weeks ago, Pierce took up where I had left off with verses 4 through 8, but the, the week that I began in this Gospel of John as we We'll see this uh, wonderful work that God has given for us to explain to us who Jesus is. We read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we find out that Jesus is the Word, the very essence of God. And the people view of that is was that survey that I shared with you two weeks ago that in the United States in 2020, we'll have a new survey by the same company this year, they said evangelical Christians, 30% did not believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. That's people Christianity right there. Just looking in and thinking you know what it's about. Christ Jesus, God, incarnate, and that is a word we will read today in verse 14. Perhaps the most powerful verse in this text, in all of Scripture. We all memorize John 3.16, right? For God so that he... And actually, he's adding some flesh to that statement that John makes in John 1.14. And the word became incarnate. All right, so here we go. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Excuse me, 9 through, yeah, 14. I think I'm, I may have put 18, guys. I'm not sure if I got carried away. Am I through 14 on there? Good, thank you. Here we go. 
and uh, where Pierce had talked about uh, right and wrong, light and darkness, and did a great job on that last week, uh, we pick up that, that John was the one who came testifying that the true light was coming. Okay, so in these 18 verses, this is the prologue to the Gospel of John. He goes from telling us who Jesus is, he introduces who John uh, the Baptist is, and this is written by John the evangelist or John the apostle, so it's a different John. He tells us now about who Jesus is, and we pick up in verse 9. The true light, that's who Jesus is, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, that's a re repeating of verse 1 and verse 2, everything, verse 3, through him all things were made. And although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, foreshadowing that the Jews would not receive the Messiah. Verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And here's that powerful verse. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. May God add His blessings to the readers and most especially the doers of His Word. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage that many of us have memorized, and we know that your Son was fully man and fully God, and we know that this world throughout the generations has rejected him, help us to examine our own hearts, if we are believers, how we have displayed the light of Christ in our lives the true light. Or perhaps like the world, we have sought after false lights. Things that would call us away from the truth. Lord, this is an hour for you that we set aside to honor you, to glorify you, to lift you up. And I pray through these words that I might share about these scriptures that you have given to me, let them Pierce our hearts as the word that comes from you only can do. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John the Evangelist, the author, told us in these earlier verses that John the Baptist was sent by God to proclaim the light of the world. And that's our first point. I mean, if you're going to go on a camp out, you've got to take a light with you, right? If we're going camping, you've got to have a light. And Jesus is the light that John says was coming and that we should believe him, believe in him. And in verses 9 through 11, we see that although he was the true light, his own rejected him. John uses the word for true that I took Greek 100 years ago, but the Greek teacher I had who was a great guy. His last name was Mun, Lacoste Mun, like the Lacoste shirts, Lacoste Mun. And we, you know, every teacher had like a little moniker that went along with them. We called it Fun with Mun. 
because he made Greek fun. And every day we had a true or false test based on the readings that you should have done. And he would give us these little handouts that were all in Greek and you had to translate it yourself with no helps, no, no extra resources. And he would say, all right, students, aletheis or sudeis, true or false. And that's the word that John is using, aletheis. He is saying that Jesus is the true, the genuine, the real thing, like Coca-Cola, I think, used to say. Didn't Coke say they were the real thing? He's saying he, he's not some kind of almost light or, or like fluorescent light or like reflective light or illuminated light. He is the source of light. He is the light of the world. I remember while attending Boston University, I'm looking, uh, my Boston University fan, a student was here a couple weeks ago, um, Julia uh, Bodley, so uh, she's there. Uh, and while I was there 100 years ago, uh, the Halbob Comet was discovered, 1995. And it's named after a guy named H-A-L-E, Hal or Hale, and Bob, I think is actually B-O-D-D -D or B-O-B-B, because I'm probably mispronouncing it, but I called it Halbob. The Halbob Comet was coming, and they said to be looking for it in 1997. So they saw it two years, but he said it's going to be get brightest and nearest to the Earth in 1997. I don't know if any of you ever saw that. Some of you know of Halley's Comet. But those men who discovered it said it would be better to get away from false light. In other words, the light that the city produces. They said get away and get off into the country where you are in total darkness and only see the stars above you, and then you will be able to see the true light of the comet coming by. Jesus is the true light. The comet is dim in comparison to the light of Christ. It has come to the world to illuminate us, to allow us to know, to understand how we can have fellowship with God, how we can be redeemed, how we can be restored, how our broken relationships, our problems, can have a repairman applied to them, the carpenter Jesus. You know, our society seems to follow after artificial light. They seek enlightenment and fulfillment through everything other than Christ. But John reminds us that Christ is the true light. And if you have received that light and believe in him, you become children of God. Now, that's, that's pretty powerful to say that I am a child of God. There's a song like that, and I wouldn't even try to sing it. But in their song, there's a chorus that says, I'm a child of God. Let me get this over here. Uh, you have a hand prop today. I uh, should have had a children's sermon. I could have used this. And um, this is, uh, well, okay, old people, what is, or young people, what is this? Historic flashlight. Yes, it is. Some people would actually, depending on where you live or grew up, maybe called a torch if you were in England. Uh, I actually think, I looked at Dean. Dean, is this a six-volt? Six-volt battery. Six-volt? Have those in cars? Yeah, one time, didn't they? Yeah, 12 volts now. Okay. This is Brenda's dad's flashlight who worked on the Illinois Central Railroad for, where'd Brenda go? Four, about 40 plus years. I think about like my grandpa. My grandpa worked like 40 years on the railroad. Uh, and you can imagine what a guy working on the railroad, he actually was a bridge builder, a wooden bridge builder who dealt with those creosote logs, timbers. So you can imagine how burning his skin was all the time. But 
he would use this to, dis to find his way, to, to check the rail line, to, to look for things. And I know he retired, I think the year before we got married, 1983. He passed away in 2016. And as we were uh, taking uh, possessions from the home, I found this and I said, I got to have this. And the, the rubber plunger on it actually has not cracked yet. So I really don't know how old it is. It could be from the 80s. I'm thinking it's probably from the 60s. But, uh, and it doesn't work now. But amazing thing, it worked the first time I tried it in 2016, having perhaps never been serviced because her dad was in uh, a veteran's home. And I know it hadn't been touched in 10 years when we touched it. But the light came on ever so briefly. It worked. Now, Dean, I'll give this to you so you can fix it for me and I'll bring it back. Just buy a new battery, Cliff. It'll probably work. We have the light of Christ to light our path as this light was used to see, you know, even maybe to warn oncoming, you know, trains that there was somebody on the tracks. Christ points, allows us to have that light that understands us and we are to point to Christ the light that we have in our hearts. You know, whether you haven't, in fact, you could say, I think we, Vacation Bible School, don't we say the pledge to the Bible, let it be a light unto my path, lamp into my something, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I'm waiting for you guys to finish that out, but you go home and study that one. Go back. Vacation Bible School will be the last week in June. I want you here. Want you all standing up, get your attention, salute, pledge. There you go. All right, but uh, we know that this is a way to see the true light. It, this allows us to understand who Christ Jesus is. In fact, you know, some of you get scared if I say this. We don't worship this. We worship who this is about. Now, granted, I believe it is the inspired, infallible, it is God's word but it's God telling us about who he is. And these verses, he reveals to, him, to us very much who he is. Let me look at 9 through 13 again. There came a man who was, excuse me, that's verse 6. Uh, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. If you are a child of God, you have the light of the world in you. As we move now from verse 13 to what I, and I want to spend time camping out. Oh, got that, camping out. You ever heard me say that? On this verse, verse 14, it is perhaps the most powerful verse of this prologue. And I would even say, as some do, perhaps the most powerful verse in the Gospel of John. We read that the Word becomes flesh. He's told us that in the beginning, this verse 1, was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now he says in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God in the flesh, his Son, Jesus. The Word that he uses to abide or to dwell with us, Eugene Peterson, in his uh, version of the Bible called the message says 
And Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He came to dwell with us. And I thought, man, that's kind of a strange way to say it. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. But how appropriate it is for our modern times. Because I know my neighbor's names, but I don't know them very well. I've never been in their house. Neither one on each side of mine have ever been in my house. I've never shared a meal with them. And I think Jesus came into this world. He moved into the neighborhood. And most of us treat our... Maybe you guys aren't that way. Maybe you've all been to your neighbor's house. Maybe you go to your neighbor's house every night and this doesn't apply to you at all. But I'm going to guess that there are many of us in 2022 that don't associate with our neighbors. Unlike what we perhaps did when we were children, when we had no pretenses and we went into anyone's house looking for an ice or a Coke or, you know, something like that. Or get told, go home, Cliff, which the neighbor lady did to me many times, I'm sure. You can't, they, they won't come out and play with you today. But if Jesus moved into our neighborhood today, I wonder how many of you would invite him into your house. But I guarantee you, he would be the one knocking at your door, saying, come, dine with me. Now, because the Greek word that John uses for dwell is the word that we use for tabernacle or tent, thus you see my whole focus on camping and going camping. Um, I want you to see this guy's new tent. I got this for Christmas for a grandson. Hey! And his dad calls me. It was perfect timing. I, he said, we opened up the tent. First time we've opened it up since Christmas. And he goes, I said, you have no idea how great the timing is because that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. I said, send me a picture of it. And Nick says, Dad, it's like holds three or four people, you know. And I know those of you who are in scouts or in the military, you know, you can make a tent out of two ponchos. And I'm looking up there, right? Yeah, you know you can. So you can do all those things. But, man, when you got a nice pop-up like that, those are pretty cool. But sometimes tents can be frustrating. I mean, even these pop-up ones, till so you get it down, it, it could be like this. And, and th this is a little video clip from the movie uh, Mr. about Mr. Rogers. And if you haven't seen that movie, I, I encourage you to see it. And, and the story is based, obviously, on uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And uh, it is the relationship he had with a journalist. And this journalist is trying to see, why is this guy always so positive? Why is he this way that he is? So you need to know about that journalist, because that's who it will conclude with. But watch Mr. Rogers trying to set up a tent. And action. Do you know what this is? It's a tent. Let's set it up. Here, 
can't. I can't do it. It must, it must take two grown-ups to set up a tent. And that's a cut. Let's go again. <laughs> no, no, let's, uh, let's look at that. Okay, roll playback, please. You know, we could preset. No, 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 I, 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 I think this is good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we're okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. That's lunch, everybody. Oh. That's the journalist who's writing about it. But the tent, why didn't you let them set it up for you? Well, children need to know that even when adults make plans, sometimes they don't turn out the way we'd hoped. So, tents can be fun, but tents can be frustrating. And I want you to know that Christ came to set up a tent for you and me. What's more, as we enter that tent, there he reveals to us his glory, his grace, and his truth, as the scripture says. Ever take a flashlight inside of a tent with kids? Or as a kid, have you ever done that? And make those, you know, there's birds and rabbits. You could be fighting puppets, what if you wanted to. But when you enter the tent with Christ, the true light that He shines and will shine through you, whatever scary figure that you might have thought was in your life, Whatever problem of your past, he reshapes with his grace, his truth, and his glory. Have you ever set up a tent inside of your house? Kids, don't drive the stakes into the ground. Yeah, yeah. You have? You've done that? Have you ever made a tent with like chairs and, you know, some blankets and... and and sheets, I mean, those are kind of like the slumber party thing, tents that you do. I mean, and I know if you've got a brand new tent, you may want to check it out. So you bring it inside, especially if you're from north and it's really cold. Or even here, it's really hot. You want to set it up first. Well, the reason you set it up inside or outside is so you can go inside. And if Christ has come that we might be in the tent with him, why do we always hover outside of it? Christ wants you to come inside, for he's pitched a tent in your house. He's pitched a tent in your heart. He wants to pitch a tent that will actually canopy over you at all times. But sadly, we find ourselves like that old Sherlock Holmes story, and I've, I think I may have even shared this uh, before, that Sherlock Holmes, and who's his sidekick? Watson. What? Watson, right? My dear Watson, if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, they've gone camping and they're, they've talked about, you know, how wonderful the jungle is and the night stars and they've gone to sleep and Sherlock Holmes wakes up and says, Watson, wake up. And Watson wakes up and he says, what do you see? And he says, well, my good uh, Sherlock, 
I see stars, thousands of stars, and realizing that God's hand is so large, he, he could have had life anywhere, but he chose to bring life here, and, and there, there should be jungles and places for us to examine for years to come. And Sherlock Holmes says, no, Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> and I think that happens in the lives of so many of us today. Christ has come to set up a tent to dwell with us that actually he wants us inside. He wants to put a tent over all of us to be in fellowship with us, but we allow something else to steal us away from him. Don't let this world, anyone or anything, steal you from Christ. Finally, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Company. Company. What company do you want inside of your tent with you? I, I said at the beginning of the sermon that, uh, you know, who would you invite in or would you go on a camping trip with someone that you hadn't seen in a long time or somebody you always wanted to see? But who you invite into your tent or try to invite into Christ's tent either expands the kingdom or perhaps you find your way exiting the kingdom, as in not spending time with him. Two weeks ago, we introduced a concept at our church called with. That we would be with God, we would be with others, and that we would be Christians on a mission, with a mission. And I think that this passage illustrates for us how we need, how we must be with God through the Son, but also how important it is to spend time in the dwelling place of the Lord. Not just the sanctuary, but with Him. And I'm also not talking about spiritual calisthenics. You know, it's not something every day you have to get up and stretch and lift weights and, you know, make the body stronger. It's get up and just spend time with Him. Some of your best time with the Lord may be when your lips aren't moving and you're just reflecting, and I don't mean snoring off in church either. I'm talking just spending time with either a verse you've read that day or a thought you've had and say, God, I want to spend some time with you. I want to spend some time with some other Christians. Perhaps they've walked the same walk, had the same battles, faced some of the same problems with their families, their children, or their jobs that I have. And by being with others... I might grow in knowledge of you. And through out of that strength, then, Lord, I can take this mission with me into the world in which we live. I shared a tent as an adult while I was deployed to um, Masira Island. It's a little island off of Oman. It was right after 9-11, and they were launching um, AC-130 gunships into Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, the chaplains obviously weren't on those airplanes. Oh, I never thought about trying to sneak on one of those. I tried to sneak on some other ones, but um, I shared the tent with three other people from the chapel staff and three uh, people from the command post, uh, officer enlisted, so, you know, it, which was, was fine with me. I didn't care. Nobody else cared because uh, officers will snore just as bad as enlisted guys. And uh, enlisted guys will make just as many strange noises at night that uh, the officers do. So you can imagine uh, living with uh, six other men in a, I think it was a 12-man tent. So really, we had some space. But I could not wait to get out of that tent. Couldn't wait to get home, you know, from that deployment. We were stationed in Germany. I remember 
Uh, I actually got to come home about a week early, and, and Brenda was there to meet me at Frankfurt, and I'm so glad to be away from that tent. Now, I don't want you to think bad. You know, it was, it was an Air Force tent, so we had air conditioning. We had electricity in the tent. We had wooden floors on the ground, too. So, I mean, those of you in the Army and the Marine Corps, Heather's back there, I'm sure you probably have taken a shower with a, with a bottle, stick your bayonet in it, and squirt it down. Now, the Army has a rough life, and, and I, I admit that. In fact, the Army guys who were deployed, that, you know, I chased rabbits, the Army guys who would come back to Masira Island for like truly like R&R from Afghanistan, I remember one guy, I'm walking behind him in the, we call it the dining facility, not the chow hall. Air Force is very, you know, we're very proper. We're in the dining facility, and I'm walking behind him, and he goes, mmm. I'm like, what's wrong, man? He goes, mmm. I said, what's wrong? He goes, lettuce. He hadn't seen lettuce in like four months. I'm like, dude, we got a salad bar here every day. <laughs> Sorry. Those of you who think about joining the military, let me talk to you about the Air Force. <laughs> but I couldn't wait to get out of that tent. But I tell you right now, 20 years later, because I think that's like 2022, uh, 20, 2002, yes, yeah, it's 20 it 2022 today, Cliff. Uh, 20 years ago, I uh, couldn't wait to get out of the tent, but I would love to catch up with those guys that I was in that tent with. There's only one of them I'm still in, in correspondence with at all, you know, because some of them were young, like 19-year-old enlisted guys, and I'm sure they've gotten married, got kids, you know. It'd be fun to get caught up and get to know them a little bit. But that camping thing is always temporary. That's the problem with the word, and we talk about camping with Jesus. It seems that a campsite, in its very definition, is temporary. It's moving. It's going to go away. It's going to be moved to a new location. Short-lived. No one expects a camp to live forever. And similarly, the life that we live is temporary. Many of us say, I'm just passing through. But when you trust the light, when you see the Son of God, the Word of God, Jesus in your life, you will realize that eternity you'll spend with Him. That tent that He pitched over you will move with you wherever you go, and one day you'll be with Him in glory. Now, I caught a view of, of Ryan for just a second. Now, I won't pick on him. They went, uh, Ryan and Emily, uh, Emily, <laughs> my own daughter, can't even say her name. Emma, sorry. So focused on saying the right name for Ryan, I couldn't hit my own daughter's name. But they went, uh, where'd you guys go? Big, Big Ben. See, California's Big Bear. They went to Big Ben, and uh, they came back from their hiking experience. And the funniest thing they told me was the little Boy Scout that was so frustrated. Uh, he was obviously in scouts because his parents wanted to be in scouts. He didn't want to be there. And they're camping. And, and of course, you know, in my cartoon mind and my cartoon way of thinking, I, I see him like the little boy that was in the, the movie Up, you know, perhaps a little larger than he needed to be in his uniform and, and probably overburdened with everything. And he's frustrated and he... They said, you know, you could shake your head. He fell down more than once. And finally, he fell down on the hike. I quit! I don't want to be here anymore! And I think there are so many of us in this camping experience with God that we fall and we say, I quit. But all he ever wanted you to do is be with him. That's why he sent his son to be with us. The word became flesh. 
and dwelt among us, that we might behold His glory, His truth, and His grace. In His campsite, your heart, wherever it goes, will be underneath His tent. In this world and eternity. Stand with me, please, we pray. Father, we pray that we would not quit on the hike or the journey of this life. For wherever we rest our feet, there your Son wants to dwell with us. There the tent, the tabernacle of the incarnate God will be with us. So Lord, today, if there's someone who has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they've never said, I want to place my faith in the living God, who was both fully man and fully God, the one who was before the world was created and through all things were created by him. What power there is in these verses. And I pray today that if there's one who's never experienced that power, you would take off the chains that keep them in the pew. And as I stand here in just a moment in front of this lectern with an invitation and as the praise team sings a song and as we sing together, I ask the prayer team to come and perhaps you just want to come and, and kneel at these steps and seek prayer. That's what those folks are here for and will gladly pray with you and pray for you. But Lord, if there's somebody here who says, I want to know Jesus, I want to be with him, let them come. I'll gladly speak to them, pray with them. And Lord, we'll welcome them into our tent to where we can dwell together. Hear this, Lord, for we ask it in the gracious, great name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.